Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. When I go to Sacramento, I will pump up Sacramento. 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 Turner Sparks just got married and has moved home to America after 12 years living in China. Sir Michael Ira Kaplan has two kids, a wife, a job, and has spent his entire life in the USA. Neither one can figure their country out. This is Lost in America. All right, everybody, welcome to Lost in America, episode 67. My name's Turner Sparks. My name is Mr. Kaplan. You can find me at Turner B. Sparks on Twitter. You can find Kaplan at K-A-P Cap in America. America. Kaplan, on the podcast today, we have Jeremy Carrican, playwright. Yes. Jeremy Carrican. I have an old friend of mine. An old friend of yours. A very interesting character. And it, this guy has done everything. We're going to find out. We're going to yeah. get into it. But he dabbles in politics. He's been very involved in the libertarian world. He's a playwright. He, he's a playwright. Inside the Actor Studio. Yeah, he has stories uh, for the, from Inside the Actor Studio about, uh, about James Lipton. Yeah. We're going to find out. But before we get to all that, I want to start with, um, oh, I was just in New Mexico. Can I start there? Let's start. Speaking of uh, libertarian, the home of Gary Johnson. The home of Gary Johnson. New Mexico. I had a blast. Shout out to everyone in Hobbs, New Mexico, and Carlsbad, New Mexico. I had two sold-out shows. They were tons of fun. Met everybody <laughs> in both towns. I took a picture. The mayor came to my show in Hobbs, New Mexico. Fan of the pod? Big fan of the pod, Mayor Cobb. Oh, good, great mayor. I got a picture. Great, We're going to put it. Very middle mayor, I've heard. And then I heard a guy running for mayor, Dick Doss. Shout out to him in Carlsbad, New Wait, Mexico. You can't give shout oh, Is the other guy not going to run for re-election? Two different towns. Oh, two different towns. Okay. Yeah. They're all oh. alt-middles. All okay. And so Dick Doss came to my <laughs> Dick show. Doss. I didn't get a picture with him, though, but he's not mayor yet, but he's going to win. I got a good feeling. Yeah. I saw signs We, sign, we got to back a winner. We have a bad track record at this point. Exactly. So let's we back some winners. A, we need to get ourselves. We need to get... Uh, Mayor Cobb reelected in Hobbs. Yeah. Even though I don't know if he's running anytime soon, but we're getting him reelected, and then we're going to get Dick Doss elected in Carlsbad, New Mexico. Thank you to all the crowds. I'll be back there soon. We're this already is, making this plans. Is, this podcast is like the new Rush Limbaugh for a new era. Exactly. <laughs> we get people elected all over the place. Yeah. We're making it happen. So that's that. This weekend, come out to. I'll be in Hong Kong. At the, at the t- Come out to Hong Kong. Come out to Hong Kong. If you were planning a getaway, you have some miles accrued if you're an American if listener. If you saw me in Carlsbad, New Mexico, now we're going to Hong Kong. Yeah. Get on the flight. I'll be at the Takeout Comedy Club January 19th and 20th, this Friday and Saturday night, with Texas John is going to be performing with me. Remember him? Is that his real name? That's his real name okay, from the pod. Like, okay. Remember him? I remember Texas from John. Shout out. Early pod. pod. He'll be on there. 
He'll be doing the shows with me. Then after that, there's been some Me Too uh, claims against some of his moves. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know if he wants to appear in public. Listen, but. this is a pre Me Too world. Yeah. when he did those things. So. Okay. Then um, <laughs> next Monday and Tuesday, uh, January 22nd, 23rd, I'll be in Saigon, aka Ho Chi Minh City, with Gina Yashray, also from the pod. All right. And then January 24th, I'll be in Hanoi. January 27th, <laughs> I'll be in Bangkok with Jocelyn Chia from the podcast. you pod. got any Vietnam material? Gonna be That's all out? for now. Plus, I got, oh, I'm doing February 3rd. I will be in Shanghai at the Kung Fu Comedy Club recording my first hour of comedy. It'll okay. be an audio hour. It'll go onto iTunes. We'll sell it on here. It'll go into everywhere. Plus, I might do video, too. I'm trying to work that out right now, but definitely audio. So come out to that. Tickets are gonna for that show are going to sell out February 3rd at the Kung Fu Comedy. And you got to laugh, people. This is going to be an album. E- yeah, you got to laugh big, even if you don't like it. Yeah. Even if you don't like me, I don't care. Yeah, laugh. That's fine. Give it the biggest, uh, the, the laugh track laugh. The laugh you hear on sitcoms. Exactly. So that being said, should we get to Lost in America? Let's play the music. Play the music. back kaplan i'm lost in america but there is someone who's more lost way more lost <laughs> a new lost american of the year early candidate for 2018 most lostest american in the year of the year the guy in hawaii who accidentally pushed the nuke his landing button yeah i was like offline that day what exactly happened he who, just okay so I guess what happened is everyone in Hawaii got a text message at some certain time that said a ballistic missile has been launched and is headed straight for us. This is not a drill. Seek cover. Right. And then 45 like, minutes. Like a nuclear weapon? or like It just... said a ballistic missile. Right. So I don't know what that means. Okay. But I think everyone just assumed that means a nuke. Right. For North Korea. I think that, um, the rocket man's going to be rocket. probably already launched something off. Yeah. And then for, I think it was 40 minutes later. Another a follow-up text message, follow-up text message came that said, uh, "Oh, sorry, uh, my bad, no <laughs> nuke. We uh, we pushed the wrong button." So what button was he trying to push? Well, there. How is there a button? A nuke is landing button. Yeah, it should be like. I mean, to write that text, it should be like to go through a chain of command. That's what I thought. You would have to first. One guy like gets the word where I don't know where that word comes from that a right. nuke's coming. You tell your boss, he tells his boss, he tells his boss. There's a meeting. There's got to be some, of a bunch right. of generals. Do we send it out? And then or they say, do we send sign it off? Out? And then when they can all agree, then it gets sent out. No one even. Yeah, it should be like the way like um, no one pu- contacted the president. Like people like Hillary Clinton or someone, the way they like workshop a tweet before they actually send out a tweet. Exactly. That should be the way this goes out. Like yeah. it shouldn't be the spontaneous Donald Trump style tweeting. No, <laughs> should be. It should like, go through all those guys who have that dumb podcast, the, uh, the uh, what's that Super Obama podcast? The Pod Save America Jesus. Yeah, the Pod Save America, all those douchebags. One it's, of those guys is a Sixers fan, so he's okay, but the rest are... They all tools. have names of, like, I don't like them because they name themselves after celebrities, so you think they actually are one. Isn't there, like, John Favreau's a guy? I think it's his real name. And then there's another guy who's, like, some other... I don't know. He's like John Lovitz. Yeah. They're all like trying to be <laughs> comedians. And so, Fuck those guys. anyway, yeah, you need to get those guys to workshop the tweet. Yeah. 
Or we can workshop. But so he accidentally pressed. What was he trying to send out? Like, was it like a different tweet? Like, hey guys, have a great Sunday. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Just check it in. No bombs. It's been how many days <laughs> since Pearl Harbor? It's been. Do you think they have to like go back to the office and turn over the sign and turn it back to zero days since yeah. since we accidentally yeah, sent oops. out a tweet? Yeah, exactly. That said a nuke's about to land. So why have this just because of Pearl Harbor? Where like we do like do other states have their own specific tweet that a text that goes out? I don't know. If there's but attack coming. What's funny? I was watching CNN and they were. I think it was. It must have been sent out by someone who's liberal because CNN was really defending it. Right. They were saying that it was. Well, saying, they were blaming the original reaction. I think was to blame Trump. Somehow, this was his fault. He's caused panic because he was golfing. No, because he's caused a panic with the North Korea thing, and people are like on edge. And... Oh, okay. But he's not the one who pushed the button. No, no, he didn't do anything. Oh, okay. <laughs> he has a big button, but he didn't push he it. He does have the biggest button. That's what makes you nervous about how easily he could push a button if the text can go out like this. Well, no one believed there was actually a button until apparently now it is. Yeah. So, they, but they said that um, uh, they were like, "Listen, at least the good news out of this is that we know that." Hawaii does have a text message system where if a ballistic missile is landing, right. they can tell us about it, and they brag that they were the first state in the union to get it. It's the first state in the union. All right, well, I mean. To ro- well, they're also the first state in the union to freak out everyone I mean, in their country. I'd rather brag to be, like, the first state in the union to, like, I don't know, legalize gay marriage or pot or something, but, yeah, we could be the one, first ones to freak out our populace <laughs> yeah. to a total panic, and they're still in bomb shelters now as we speak. So are you as lost as this guy? How are you? I think I'm equally as lost, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> I went to the barbershop last week <laughs> to get my hair cut. All right. And I left my cell phone at home because it was charging. I wow. forgot that you can charge in a barbershop. Yeah, we can charge anywhere nowadays. So I go in there. I sit down, and it was a snow day. It was a snow day, so only one of the barbers showed up out of four. So there's one barber, and then there's three people waiting for the barber. So I have to sit and wait. As I sit and wait, I don't have my phone. I looked next to me. Everyone else is on their phone. Yeah, of course. So I'm like, okay, I'll just get a magazine. You got to have car and driver, I'm sure, or like ink or some <laughs> tattoo, some barbershop, mat, like a right. manly, you right. know, like a Sports Illustrated. No magazines. Nothing. Did you ask? I did. I said, right. do you guys have any magazines? No. The they newspapers, have nothing? Because they voice. assume now everyone's on their phone. So why yeah. do you need a magazine? I but mean- some people leave their phones at home. Some yeah. people fire off ballistic missiles. Some people leave yeah. their phones. No, at home. I mean that's a, unexcusable. Like when I'm, like I get mad at myself. I like go on a phone when I'm in one of those kind of waiting room things. So I'm like, this is time to read a magazine. Exactly. Like, you know, when your doctor's off, your kid's office, you read highlight magazine. You know, remember that? Exactly. Yeah, you get the highlights. You get to yeah. color it in. You get yeah. to find. Now, this the, is why uh, you've really. I'm not gonna cry for you though, because you did not go to the the official barber of the pod, the Ninth Street Barbers in East Village. Well, you know why I didn't go. I don't want to uh, tell tales out of school here, but when he gave me a haircut and I asked for a buzz cut, yeah. I got a lot of backlash from well, fans of the pod that I didn't <laughs> cut it short enough. Well, it was your fault. You didn't pick a low enough number. I blame him. Well, you know what? I will tell you what they have at that barbershop. They have magazines. Let me tell you the magazines they have. They have Playboy magazine. Oh! And they have Out magazine. They have both. Whoa. Yes, they are a very uh, alt-mill. <laughs> yeah. They got GQ. Okay. They got Sports Illustrated. I'm listening. And I think they have a New York Post. So they got a lot of options. Really good reading material. Well, I might have to switch. If you want to read that was that was the place where I originally discovered the Playboy had got rid of nudity. Oh, really? It was like a jarring moment in my life. They gotta be back to nudity by They're now. They're back to they? nudity now, okay, I think. Good. In pr- the President Trump era. We can't. Hey, by the way, in the in the like uh levels of terrible decisions by a business, that's like the like doesn't McDonald's getting rid of hamburgers. Yeah, that's not known. We here. just sell fries now. Yeah, we hamburgers aren't healthy. We've decided. Exactly. We're gonna go vegan. 
that that was a bad decision. Well, can I tell you how uncomfortable it is to sit? Because it's also a small barbershop. Yeah. To sit two feet from a guy while he gets his haircut and just stare at him and watch right. him get his haircut the whole time because you can't look at a magazine. It'd be more uncomfortable if you know you were reading Out magazine and he was giving you <laughs> a weird look like what the hell? No. Uh, or Playboy. You I guess you're right. Too excited by the Playboy. So maybe that's what they're stopping people from. Maybe that's what it is. But yeah, the bar, the, the people uh, magazines are dead. I'm sorry to say. While you were right. gone, it happened. I think that's basically. Do they still it. in China? Are they still like on the phones with everything? Or does people actually read print? Does print exist? No, I don't think print exists anymore. Mm. I think it's completely over. Um, but anyway, that's it. Should yeah. we get to Ents? Ents is an app. Ents is an app. Yeah. Ents, you can get it in the app store. You can get it at Ents.com, uh, I think now, or Ents.nyc or something like that. Ents, go to Ents. Uh, Ents is up to five minute audio recordings. You can do voice messages. You can message back and forth like people do with Twitter, like di- di- uh, direct messaging, you know? Yeah. DM, I think they call DMing it. DMing it. Yeah. You I- can record music that you're uh, that you're recording, see if people like it, see if your friends like it. You can do you can do songs, you can do whatever you and want. You can send man. us questions at Lost in America or at uh, Turner Sparks. Exactly. Send us questions. We will play or, them or on just the pod. Answer any stories you think are interesting and we'll comment on them. Whatever just you want. This week. Let's hear from you. <laughs> All right. Let's get I see Jeremy's out there. Jeremy Carrickin. Let's bring him in. The playwright. Come on in. <laughs> All right, we're back with our guest, Jeremy Carrickin. Hello. Welcome to the show. Carrickin the American. Thanks for being here. Thanks for doing the show. Great to be here. Thank you. This is a lovely space you've got here. It's pretty good. Ents is an app. We just talked about it. Yeah, they have a wonderful studio. I have spent like... 30 minutes talking with the Ents guys, and that's a neat app. Oh, yeah. They, see, this is good. This is like a new theme of the pod, is yeah. everyone gets pitched the Ents app right before yeah. they come in. <laughs> Did they sell you the hot sauce, too, or are they just stuck? They focused Did they have a hot sauce? Yeah, oh, see, oh, you got to get good. the Good, they took notes off our last pod, and they, they were focusing more on just the, the app today. The exactly. Sauce comes later. But we will. You get app a parting gift. hot sauce seems a strange pairing. I mean, that's not what you'd call... Uh, you know, horizontally integrated. Listen, right. I would agree with you, but they pay our bills, so <laughs> uh, it's vertical. So like half a Bitcoin, whatever. You've been a playwright for a long time. I have. I've been a playwright since uh, I don't know how long I've been. I, I've never been a good playwright, but I've been a playwright <laughs> for I don't know, twenty years. Yeah, twenty-five years, something like that. And then, but you also work inside the extra studio, which you're that's about. right. For the last seventeen years, since I graduated with my playwriting MFA. Uh, from the Actors Studio Drama School at New School. Uh, since I graduated from there, I have been the researcher for Inside the Actors Studio. So those are actual students? Those are actual In students. In the audience? You, yes. I, I always like, assumed a- it was just like actors or like whatever. Like, like people uh, that go to a, a TV shows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, only MFA students are allowed to ask those ridiculous questions at the end. <laughs> and that's actually how I got the job. You well, asked the, a question? I asked a question. Well... No, I kind of, uh, I kind of. What is (laughs) art? Well, during during the interview with Alan Alda, um, they they were he he asked Jim Lipton asked Alan Alda that you know your movie um, the Four Seasons Carol Burnett pops up out of a sunroof and goes, "Are we having fun yet? Did you make up Did you make up that phrase because you wrote the movie?" And Alan Alda goes, "Yeah, I think I, I think I might have." And then, of course, like an asshole, after the uh, 
after the show, you know, during the whack-a-mole section when we all pop up with the microphones, I said, no, actually, you didn't make it up. It's from uh, Zippy the Pinhead six years before the movie was made in 1974, uh, written by a guy named Bill Griffith. And they looked at me like I was nuts. <laughs> Your question was not a question. It was my a question. correction. Was a correction. <laughs> and how old were you? Oh, I, what was I, 29? Amazing. Like that. Yeah, so I... Uh, and then you were hired on the spot for knowing that? No, <laughs> he was just like, how does he know this? And I, and I kept asking weirder questions, too. I would ask him if it breaks. If, uh, is it really funny? or if it, no? <laughs> is James Lipton a professor? Ben did it funny. He was, okay, no. Okay. <laughs> he, but he was a, well, he, is, he was the dean, he was the dean of the school and is now dean emeritus of the school. He was a, um, he was a pimp in Paris, but we'll get back to that. He oh, was oh. a. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's start there. <laughs> Let's get him on the pod. We'll talk about that. <laughs> so he was. A, What's know, the difference between pimping in Paris and pimping yeah, in. It's it more, was legal. It's much more one. cultured. Really? Yeah, it was what you call a Mac. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what? A mac, a macaro. Uh, <laughs> like I'm supposed to know what that is? What yeah, does it mean? Mac, that's where the word mac comes from, macaro. It means mackerel. But oh, like would, if you're macking on a girl? Yeah. That's where that comes from? Macaro, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's what James Lipton was? Yeah, so you it's not as easy to like get a job like waiting tables. <laughs> after Like after the war in Paris, he's... <laughs> How old is he? <laughs> Older than you might He's think. He's 92. 92. I, right? I, 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 am, I can't Whoa. remember how to say anything oh, yeah, about oh. that. Are you serious? Might yeah, he might be. According to Cap, he's 92? He is of, he is of age. I thought he was like 60. He ages very well. He once owned Pilates, so he does that every day. So he's a what do you mean, owned Pilates? The company? After Yes, after <laughs> Joseph Pilates died. Wow! There was a Joseph he, Pilates? <laughs> this man like... has been everywhere. Yes, there was the guy who invented Pilates. Joe? Joe Pilates? <laughs> <laughs> Joe Pilates? <laughs> but after he died, or his name was Pilates. He, he left it to James Lipton? We'll go no, with Joe. He, other people owned the rights to it, and I think he and a couple other people bought it so they could give it to the widow. Oh. It's, he's been all sorts of weird places. He just Okay, so after the war in Paris, World okay. War II. I, I, I can't say which war. The war. It was oh, okay. probably World War II. Let's yeah. go with that one. It wasn't so, the Vietnam War. <laughs> he, was, he was a writer. He was hanging out with George Plimpton and stuff, but it's impossible to get a job there unless you're French because there's not a lot of jobs there, and they don't want... They don't, you can't be a waiter because waiting tables there is incredibly regulated. Okay. So one of the things that was available for... Men to do was to tout for brothels to go hang out by the American Express office and say, you know, hey, you want to see two women make out? And and he ended up. Who working, says no to that? Who says no? So he ended up making uh, making um, what do you call it? Uh, you know, he ended up producing the live sex shows and stuff. And, <laughs> wow, yeah. this part of his story I don't think people know about, right? It's in his book. I yeah, get, otherwise oh, really? I wouldn't say it in public. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, are you breaking news here? <laughs> yeah, right. Are you gonna get fired when this Probably. comes out? So we went to, you know, when we went to Paris to interview um, uh, Jean Moreau and um, Juliette Binoche. Oh, uh, big fan. Yeah, who's not? Uh, He took us to his old brothel. Like some people go to see visit. Yeah. Some people go visit, like, this was my childhood house. This, yeah. <laughs> that's this like, is where my family was. Did he knock on the door, left. like, all no, sheepishly? I, I didn't even <laughs> look around the bedroom. Can I just, uh, this, this is... <laughs> well, he graciously, you know, he allowed us to bring our spouses with us, and oh. I did not go any further than the door jam. But, uh, <laughs> I he feel showed like, it to us. I feel like he is the classic example of if you 
Carry yourself with enough like sense of polish. Yeah, he's very polished. No matter what you do, seems classy. Even all the way to a pimp in Paris. Yeah, absolutely. Well, then he's had a storied life. You know? Wow. Okay, so you ask this question. You impress. You get involved. Were you already writing plays at this point? Well, I was. A, I was a playwriting student. I had written a couple of plays that you know, like most of my plays, went nowhere. But I got a chance to work with Romulus Linney, who was the playwriting uh, teacher at the Actors Studio Drama School, who is an amazing, who was just an amazing playwright, one of those um, writers who did things on both, you know, he did plays, he did novels, he was, and he was just a William Faulkner-esque kind of guy that I, I adored. And he's also Laura Linney's dad. Wow. So, <laughs> and so okay. <laughs> so what about your play? What, what? Um... Oh, my play this, that's coming th- this Thursday? Well, let's start with the beginning. What was the first play that you put on? I mean, how many, how many, well, Maybe not. How many number are you going to say you've written like hundreds of plays that oh, have I don't know about been hundreds. put on? I've written, written about 10 or whatever, 10, 15. And you've done a couple outside of the United States, right? I have. I've had, uh, I had what, one done in Australia, uh, in Melbourne. I think that's how they pronounce it now. I think you're right. Uh, really? Well, yeah. I always get it wrong. Uh, they don't pronounce the hard R. They don't pronounce the R, yeah. All right. So, uh, how, did, how did that come about? I, for this Jewish theater company in Melbourne. Shut up. Just the idea of being Jewish. Yes, well, this, but my play wasn't Jewish necessarily. I mean, I am, but my uh, my 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 the Jew my Jew play didn't come from many years later. But they, this play about physicists called Big Train, they asked if they could perform it because I think because it had already gotten done at the Actors Theater of Louisville and they'd heard about it and um, they put it, it on. How does your word sound in like an Australian accent? Is it or is it? Well, it's interesting because there's n- they had to do it in an American accent because it oh. takes place in like the American West. So oh. they all did American. They're Australian accents. actors really? doing American accents, but they're very good at yeah. it. You've seen the, the yeah. actors lately, so I mean, ben, you know, Mendel- Ben Mendelsohn, he does a good American accent. They all do. And what was that play about? That play was about physicists in the American <laughs> West. Okay, but in, <laughs> in, in, in like it was like it feels like a western. It's a short play. It's a what act, but it's about. It, they, they start riffing on some sort of weird blues lyrics, and then you realize that they're particle physicists, and then you also realize that there's something mystical that's going on that it's called... It, it, you just have to see it. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a strange piece. Uh, but that's, that got done uh, at... Uh, that was before the big you know, science play thing got going, and so that was it. And then you did... And when you take... Because you got something else in Ireland as well, is that correct? I did. I had a play called uh, Duck, Rabbit, Duck, in Ireland, in uh, at the Dublin Fringe, I had a friend of mine who was a reader for the Abbey Theatre, which is a very famous storied theatre in Ireland, uh, where you know that's where, in some ways, the revolution started. Um, in a lot of ways, there, you know, John Millington Singh had his plays there, and it's very much a historical theater about being Irish. And my play had nothing to do with about being Irish, but she said, oh, she was a friend of mine, uh, Lucille Redmond, uh, if you're out there. Hello, Lucille. Uh, shout she, out. Shout out. <laughs> um, she said, oh, you should send it to the Abbey. And I thought, that's a terrible idea. My, I'm not Irish, neither is my play, but I sent it anyways, and one of the readers there uh, was a director and a producer and said, I want to do this in the Dublin Fringe, and that's how that happened. And that was a great, that was fun. And so when you're doing this, are you going, did you go to Australia? Did you go to Ireland? I did not go to Australia, but it turned out my in-laws were living there at the time, and they're not Australian. So it was, they were working for Kodak, 
or my father-in-law was working for Kodak, and he had a an assignment there for a year and a half, and he went to go see it. That's it cool. What did he say? They liked it. Uh, I don't think he was allowed to say that he didn't like it. <laughs> no, I mean like the people the, uh, in Australia. It oh was yeah, they liked well. it. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. They, they liked it absolutely. Is um, pl- are plays difficult to translate uh, internationally? Meaning, like, is the meaning is it anything is it specifically American? Or they take on they will take on new meanings, um, depending on where they're performed. My my play uh, Duck Rabbit Duck didn't have to be in an American setting. That was kind of an absurdist thing. And I guess it makes sense that the Irish kind of got it because, you know, Beckett and, uh, all, you know, that, that's a good introduction to absurdist theater, if, if not the best. So um, that didn't have to be American, but there are some plays that would have to be American that I write and others that just wouldn't. Yeah, I feel like with comedy, when I'm trying... Um, oh, yeah. It's, yeah, sometimes you'll get laughs in different places. They won't laugh at stuff that Americans will laugh at, but we'll laugh more at stuff that Americans don't laugh at. That's absolutely right. The, the, they are, there are different senses of humor. Uh, I feel like I'm along the German, English, American, Australian axis of humor rather than the French, which is a different curve. Like if you look at Moliere and old Shakespeare, you get why they're, they're just different. Right. Like the French hate Monty Python and the Germans love it. So I'm sort of more on that level. French. I mean, I'm not going to be on the side of the French on any of these. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to choose the Monty Python side. Well, I mean, the, why did the French like Jerry Lewis? And yeah. we absolutely don't. So, so you're saying the more slapstick. <laughs> yeah. Like the so, more big, big, broad. I think their slapstick is more artistically uh, rarefied. Like they have the mime history, like whereas... The British have the fish slapping dance from Monty Python. Okay. They're great English slapstick, but that's more a fight against reality itself, whereas in some ways the French slapstick is more of a dance. I right. think. Also, in English, it's like we just, just, they sound smarter than us. So if I don't, even if I don't get the joke, I'm going to laugh because like, <laughs> I, I know it's a good joke. But the French, I don't, I don't give them any of that. Don't I don't concede them, them anything. So they got to make. You know, I just heard that uh, there's this big thing where a bunch of the French comedians, people are, French people are starting to, who speak English, bilingual, are starting to pull the U- YouTube videos of French comedians and then translating them to English, and it's mostly stolen. A lot of them are stolen from American comedians. Oh, no. that's hysterical. Including this guy, Gad, whoever. Do you know, have you heard of this guy? This new guy, Gad, Gad something. Gal Gadot. Like, Gal Gadot, Israeli. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Wonder Woman is still G-A-D. It's G-A-D. Gad, Gad. something. He's Not uh, Josh Gad. His first name is Gad. He's like the Seinfeld. Like Seinfeld loves him. Seinfeld brought him to America. Oh, right. I think I've heard of this guy. And has put him on tour, and he's like trying to develop this English hour. And he's all the stuff. He's stolen. like on Seinfeld. Like boosts him to the top. So he's doing all these right. theaters. It's all a lot of it's stolen from Seinfeld. Oh, that's why he likes it. They're finding. I don't know if Seinfeld knew. This should be one of your goals. It'd be. Wouldn't you be awesome if you all of a sudden one day there's a big scandal that like the biggest French comic is stolen like through your bits? And... Oh, I thought you were gonna say <laughs> I steal from French people. No, no, no. They steal from you. Why should no, you steal from <laughs> other Americans to go to China. You, do you speak Chinese? I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're set. That used to happen when I was first there. You would see comedians, not as much anymore, but they almost like Chinese comedians when they would start in Chinese. They didn't even know you were supposed to be original. <laughs> it's like I'm oh, doing right. a performance. And people were uh, doing like Chris Rock bits, <laughs> but like some skinny that Chinese does not, guy. Yeah, that's amazing, actually. Yeah. <laughs> the first thing is to keep your girl, your, your daughter off the pole. And yeah, <laughs> exactly. And they're like, what? Huh? They're what strip clubs. Yeah. <laughs> what? No, but, you know, I mean, but isn't... At some point, if you are a, an observational comedian, yeah. there's only so much about like urban 
life that you can be observational about that won't cross over to another American observational urban comedian, right? Well, I mean, to any type of, if you're straight observational, it has, to, I think it has to come from, like, I do uh, some observational comedy, but it comes from, like, it's almost, like, specific to me, but also, like, right. it's my observation, but my observation framed in the idea of uh, someone who just came back to America after living abroad for 12 years. Right. So then that's not going to overlap. No. But you're right. If you're just, like, uh, like Latino comedians, there's a lot of them that are like, yo, lowrider. Remember, like, lowriders are like this and not like that or whatever. <laughs> like, there's hundreds of those. Everyone right. has that joke. Black right. people drive like this. Yeah. Uh, white people, oh, people drive like this. The one that, like, everyone. Uh, Great Simpsons. Like, right, exactly. I'm not saying good comics have it. I'm saying the hack version of all these different cultures has this. The hack, the biggest hack joke is, uh, oh, like, uh, my fill in the blank of your race. Like, we beat our kids. White people, they get time out. Like, literally <laughs> everyone. So yes, you're right. No, I, so you're. I can't even do everybody a... but white people beat their kids. I just want to make sure. No. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah, yeah. We did a whole podcast about that actually. <laughs> I've literally seen that joke everywhere. I haven't been able to even successfully do the timeout, so I don't even. I'm Who are the white people who are good at the timeout? White people don't even do timeouts. We don't even do timeouts. They don't even like listen. They don't stay. They just leave. I, I have this new disciplinary method. Like, you have, like, you have older kids than me. Handing them the iPhone and say go away. Right, you have older kids than me, so you could tell me what are you. Because if they just don't listen to the timeout, they just walk out of the room. Exactly. I'm not gonna. Uh, what do you do? Oh, you, oh, you're like, <laughs> oh skipper, that's a timeout. Like, Fuck off. That, that is the hottest hot take I've ever heard. <laughs> is it white people don't even do timeout? You don't anymore? even know how to do a timeout properly. I don't even know how to. <laughs> how old are your kids? My Jeremy? kids. Okay, I got a 12 and a nine. Okay. Yeah, so he's... How do you write when you have kids? When you're younger, when you have kids running around your house? Do I don't. You, you don't write I at home. That's. I don't write. I either don't write at home or I wait for the office. I wait till they're off at school. There's absolutely no way to get. I can't even finish my sentences, speaking when the kids are at home. Like at night, when like the lights are low and like the the house is quiet, I'll just look up to the ceiling and just finish the sentence that I started in the morning. Same <laughs> way, actually. I'm like trying to write, and I'm like, there's like. I hear like there's like Paw Patrol on a one TV. The kids are like screaming about something else. It's like all filtering in. I'm like, this is not the atmosphere this is not to create anything. <laughs> so. And then okay, and then what's your? I'm skipping around here a little bit, but I have some notes. What about Cuba? What's your relationship to Cuba? Oh, I just went to Cuba this one this year. There was. Uh, we I, should say you're very involved in in the libertarian. Oh, so because politically, politically, he, skipping from <laughs> plays yes <laughs> to politics, right. Are you you're also politically active? I, I am like a lot of like a lot of playwrights, but not in the way that most most playwrights are. I'm kind of a I'm a libertarian ish centrist ish. What are most playwrights? Pretty left? Oh, they're left liberals, progressives. They're all tripping over each other to to, to run as far left as they can. Right. <laughs> Has that affected you in the playwriting world at all? Your political probably. I can imagine some people reading. I mean, my plays aren't aren't very political, uh, but. Although this recent play is very political, um, the uh, most of my plays just don't have a. But I can imagine someone saying, "Oh, I don't want to give that guy any money because he's making fun of what I think of as so important." But I've also gotten jobs because I was not of the 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 left progressive flavor. Like I had a play at the Baltimore Center Stage. Uh, they picked fifty playwrights from around the country to explain what America was to a foreigner, kind of. It was called the My America Program. You should have attended this. I should have gone to this. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't have a podcast, though. Right. But of course, all they got were, you know, they got like 35 from New York, 
left liberals. Right, like a bunch oh. of white people from New York who are telling people. It, <laughs> it was a fairly diverse group. Right. And the, um, uh, so, but then the uh, literary director at the time, Gavin Witt, he was like, well, I've, all, I've got all these, I've got one variety of political thought. And Gavin knew me from, from back from college when he was in grad school uh, at the University of Chicago. He goes, wait a minute, I knew a Republican. I was a Republican then, I'm not anymore. But, uh, and so I did, uh, yeah, so I did something that was not, he hired me because of that. Although that wasn't, that particular piece was not very political either. But So you don't but, write too political in general? I don't. I feel like I'm trying to unify the audience and yeah. get them all interested in the characters. Why would I say something about, you know, trade policy or... I have the same thing with comedy. Why split the audience immediately? Right. Like, I, I want everyone to, like, like the joke. I, right? I want right. truth. It's also a cheap way to get the audience in New York or in some places where you're like, you could be not even a great comic, but people are like you just because I you won them over with some Trump line. I and call then, it like cheerleader comedy. Yeah. 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 Whereas they're cheering, they're not laughing. How about that Trump? Am I right? Yeah. And then everyone, like, yeah, everyone yeah. cheers, but, like, there's no... There's no a laugh is like involuntary. A laugh happens right. where a cheer is voluntary. It's like, yes, I think I agree with him. Laughs happen because you're telling some kind of uncomfortable truth to some degree that people are people know in their hearts but don't want to admit that they know. Yeah, and you feel it come out of them even if they don't like it. Right. They may be like, wah, they're laughing, and then they end up like, ooh. Wait a minute, oh, wait a minute. I just, by laughing, I now indicted myself as a racist. I'm like, oh, that's, that's <laughs> what is... That's what's yes, sort of fun but, about it. Right. <laughs> you know, most of my jokes are highly racist. Right. I'll be but, playing at the KKK. Uh, exactly. No, but, 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 it, so you, you, but you, how did you get involved with, you got involved with the Gary Johnson campaign. That was your first political. That was a weird. It, you have a wild uh, path that we're I, working I, our way down. Yeah. Picaresque <laughs> is almost the word for it. Yeah. I went, um, I tweeted, Roger, I tweeted something and Roger Stone read it when he was, Gary's was was working as a consultant for Gary's campaign before he was Trump's. Uh... Before he was Trump's weirdo cheerleader, but yeah, and then he'd he'd read something that I written, and he noticed I was a writer, and he asked if I was uh, able to do some op eds and stuff, and I did, and then I got to meet Gary and uh, Joe Hunter, the head of uh, communications, and I got to write more stuff, and then I started do you writing like speeches some for him, or do you write like okay, so I write, you know, speech writing is not like putting together an entire uh, essay, which uh, I guess it, it could be, but a lot of times it's coming up with gags and pithy statements that'll nail people. And that was tweets one of the ways stuff. that was used. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> tweets. It was a great time when we were doing live tweeting together, trying to basically, there's a bunch of people that were basically like joke writers for them. It was fun. Really? Yeah, it was great. Well, best time I ever had. Oh, sure. So for our non-American audience, right, because we, we have a lot. Oh, yes, yeah, right. Gary Johnson was a libertarian candidate in the 2016 election. And, 2000, and 2012. And 2012. 2012. That's when you got started in 2012. Yes, he was the governor oh. of New Mexico. And um, I had just, I liked the guy because he was pleasant. Uh, he was not one way or the other, Republican or Democrat. And he basically thought that people mostly could run their own lives, give or take a few minor exceptions. And I liked that. So There was a certain, there was and like a time. A lot, so <laughs> you know, he, he didn't smoke a lot of weed when he was when he was running when right, he was right. training for anything. But yeah, he, he uses yeah, it like, like I good, use beer. Right, it's so. a fun guy. There was a time when I remember last year when everyone decided they hated Trump and they hated Hillary, and I felt like Gary Johnson had a chance or at least a chance to get over like ten, fifteen, whatever percent. Yeah. 
There was a short time, right? Yeah. When that, but the, the two party system is such an American thing. There was something weird that happened there. Like, you know, Gary made a couple of mistakes on the air, right. but everybody makes a lot of mistakes on air. Like, well, there was Trump, definitely a concerted effort to yes. like, because the, the fact that everybody was. knows, you say Gary Justin and our American audience are going to be like, they know the Aleppo mistake. The Aleppo The fact that they even know that was, cons- was had, and had. If you watch the whole, the whole clip that he was on. It's obvious that he was confused by the question because they changed topics so quickly. Right. He thought it was like, like they were first asking him about uh, Latin American immigration. They said, now what are you going to do about Aleppo? And he thought, well, what are you, the American Latin? Right. Yeah, under the, uh, yeah, under, when they're talking about that, whatever, Latin American immigration, what is Aleppo in that? Right. And so, you know, unlike a lot of other politicians, when he doesn't know the answer, he'll go, what is that? And yes. Right. He's not. Yeah. He was. He didn't just filibuster until he could something else get completely. a sign from someone in the back of the <laughs> yeah. studio. And, and he'll say, "Well, tell me a little bit more about what you think about that." Just to you know, pause a little bit. And right. Get, get, I also get, remember once when that happened, all these people posting on Facebook like, "How could he not know Aleppo?" And yeah. I remember at that point, I didn't know. I remember like, yeah, did they, I want to be like, did you know what Aleppo was before I had that? No like, idea. Did, nope. Well, and everyone, yeah. and of course, the New York Times was also said, "How could he not know what Aleppo was?" And then they misspelled Aleppo every single time. <laughs> Is that what or happened? Every other time, it wasn't even consistent. Right. Do you think that third parties have a chance in America? No. No. No, I don't. What I do think they have a chance to do is change the conversation, and I do think that they have the chance to alter the two major parties. Human beings, like every other monkey, are both social and competitive. So that means two teams. There's okay. two teams in the world, us right. and them, always. Yeah. And it's, so, and it's gotten worse than, like, I feel worse. like years ago it might have been more of an opening for a third party now. Yeah. Because well, you just had this election where it's like, everyone was like, oh, if we only had another choice. Trump, because otherwise you'll have to vote for Hillary. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. And I remember when I was, um, like, wh- whoever I was in a conversation with, if I told them I was undecided, they would say, well, that you're, if you're undecided, that's a vote for Trump. Or if you're undecided, that's a vote for Hillary. It's always a vote for whoever they well, don't exactly. like. Exactly. I don't like, How can it be a vote for both? Who do you, you not know? want? Then I, well, that's, I'm voting for that person. It's yeah. like this whole thing. Like, why do these issues even? Some of them are consistent. I, at all. You know what's weird? I feel maybe this is because of the uh, Trump. I'm not sure, but I, my my age group. I'm 35. Mm-hmm. I felt like since the time we were 21, probably even until now, people re- relatively my age, the coolest thing to be was an independent. Yeah, everyone was independent. <laughs> Younger people than us are not. I figured it was going to go more independent, and right. so it'd be, have a better chance for a third party. But young people are not independent at all. No, no. they all picked a side. But a lot of them don't necessarily show up and vote. They just pick a side and oh, scream okay. about it on social media. When, yeah. you, when, it, when talking, you know, showing up at Tuesday and getting up to vote, that's eh, not so easy. Yeah. Waiting in line. So what, so as from, uh, I would think an out, a non-American would have this question, so I'm, I want to ask it. What, if we don't think that third parties have a chance in the future, what's the motivation to support them? If we have a good four, five, six percent People who say, "Look, I am both in favor of good of of open immigration, uh, of lo- less regulation, gay marriage, all of these things, of being more of a, a liberal person in a small L." Then suddenly, that's a voting block, especially if the other the other guys are at forty nine forty nine. Then someone's going to say, "Go after our issues," and say, "We'll we'll do those." Almost like the British parliamentary system, where they have to. Uh, they have to group together. They, have right. to co- they need a coalition. A coalition. A coalition. 
So, but is that what, that's what brought you to Cuba, though, right? Was that what, what you were... No, what, what brought me to Cuba uh, is I'm a huge Ben Folds fan. Oh, oh okay. I love Ben Folds. <laughs> I do, too. I mean, and he was playing in Cuba, and I always wanted to go to Cuba because I also love cigars and rum, so... Uh, the luckiest was my wedding song, actually. It's a lot of people's wedding <laughs> Now we songs. have the song to close this episode. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm a big Ben Folds fan, and he was playing, and my wife said uh, she was going to get it for me. Cuba to play? Yeah. I wonder how he got all No, that was the thing. Once they opened it up, you could go, right? Does that count as yeah. an educational somehow or something? Yeah. yeah. Well, there was Obama pay- opened it up a right. bit, and a bunch of rock stars went, and they played. And, you know, uh, this group had Ben do three or four concerts that week, and we were there at all of them, and we could see also a lot of great Cuban bands uh, that were just mind-blowingly good. So, And we got to see Ben learn about, you know, Cuban uh, um you know, piano styles, and that was fun. We but could you sit would in watch that him class. go around Cuba? Or was yeah, it we, yeah, well, it was all in Havana, uh, but okay. yeah. And I love old buildings and, um, and you know, architecture, so that was, I had to go. I had to, I had to get a chance to go, to go to Cuba, so I gotta go. And you met with the Libertarian Party? They have a Libertarian Party in Cuba? They do have a Libertarian is, Party that's in what, Cuba. That's what my mind's blown on that. It was so funny. I, I can't they, believe they had parties. I thought it was just Oh, they get arrested all the time. It's not oh, okay. legal. Uh, so, oh, okay. So no shout-outs. No. So not Liber- exactly a party. <laughs> so I, I, I'm there, and some guy comes up to me uh, after one of the first events there and says, excuse me, are you Jeremy Carrigan? And I, <laughs> I am not, I have zero fame, I think. He knew you from the old James Lipton <laughs> episode where you no. called out... Uh, <laughs> he just knew about me on Facebook. The guy from MASH. He hated out all the... Yeah, he, knew, he knew I was a libertarian, and he'd seen a bunch of things that I'd written on Facebook, I guess. Yeah. And Jeremy's very active on Facebook. I'll just <laughs> say, very. It's true. Uh, so, And he'd said, uh, because, uh, you know, and, and you worked for the Johnson campaign. You were a speechwriter. I said, yeah. This uh, is yeah, a Cuban no, guy, though. No, this is an American oh, okay. guy. Oh, okay. And, he, and he, this guy, a guy who worked for the Indiana Libertarian Party, uh, Chuck Pullen, and he said to me, hi, Chuck. Shout, shout out. out. <laughs> uh, He's the, a big fan. Great cross-section. <laughs> big listener. <laughs> so we went to, uh, and he said... I'm, I'm going to be delivering toys and band aids to the Cuban Libertarian Party. Wow. Toys and band aids. And I, I thought, oh, that's interesting. I would love to get arrested here. Um, <laughs> and so you know, and I said, I didn't realize I was like you. I was like, I didn't realize they had a Libertarian Party here. Right. And so we get in this cab. Of course, we're getting texts from different, from different phones because they can't be. They don't want their text traced and things like that. Oh my gosh! And is there, do you have a minder or anybody that you have as just being American in Cuba that you have to like lose on this thing? Ben folds. Just, yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> ben folds in trouble. His roadie. Yeah. <laughs> we had a. I know there was a couple of young Cubans that were with us. I don't think they were political officers right. or anything. Uh. I never felt. You know, I I felt that they were like desperate to have us spend money there. Uh, That's yeah. what they wanted. They needed American cash. So, but so we get into this cab. And they don't really have addresses in right. Cuba because things have been such a mess for so long. There's such a lot. So we have went, ways. Huh? They don't we, have ways. They don't have right? ways. Oh, my God. You know, no American communication Americans satellites. Americans wouldn't be able to drive there. They wouldn't know how to. Well, go. ways, of course. That's even worse. It's yeah. Israeli satellites. Oh, it is? Ways is in the <laughs> I've never been into it. I'm going to download it now. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so there were, you know, we're all, uh, you know, so we get to, to, one of the worst barrios I'd ever seen. And then finally we found a place through a dirt road. It's a major city uh, that's been around since the 1500s. Down this dirt path, dirt road, finally we get to this apartment that has like a bookshelf of libertarian books. And that is the Libertarian Party headquarters. Wow. There's this studio apartment. Does it have like Gary Johnson's book or? 
<laughs> no, they had. Who do they have? Because I, I, my Spanish is not good, but they had. You know. Uh, you know, uh, Mies, uh Road to Serfdom? Or? Well, yeah, they had Road to Serfdom in Spanish. They <laughs> oh. had, uh, you know, high, they had high. Did they have any of your plays? No, they did not have any plays. <laughs> Big shrine to Jeremy. <laughs> His Facebook posts. So you showed up, you had a, ba- you had a thing of toys and band-aids? Like, you had a thing of toys and band-aids, and then all of a sudden we, we start. I would have sent stuff down if I knew you were donating. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, kids have a lot of toys. I now think this visit was a mistake because, you know, there's two these two doughy white guys Two doughy suburban Americans, obviously, hanging around one of the worst barriers. Right, the cab drivers immediately calling somebody. Of course they're like calling, like where there's people handing out objects. (laughs) And they get raided the next day. I read that. I Googled it this morning. And yeah, it seems like there's been some issues with the party. Did they take the toys away and the band-aids? They didn't take the toys or the (laughs) band-aids. But they're, of course, thinking that we're dropping off listening devices or broadcasting devices. What are they trying to accomplish, the Libertarian Party? I mean, are they waiting for... The Castro's to fall. And same, same as we are. A little bit of freedom Who is here. Who has a better chance of success, the American Libertarian Party? Or the <laughs> <laughs> well. One party you... system hard to overcome or two party? <laughs> I can, they can't afford as big. They can't afford the Patriot Act like we can. So right. There are ways around it. But they, they're not allowed to have. Oh, there's just, it was, it was, I felt like, I, I kind of felt guilty afterward, but they assured us that it was very helpful that we dropped off this stuff because <laughs> they're persona non grata. Once you've been arrested for being a dissident, uh, you are, you get the worst apartments, you get the worst, uh, your kids, you know, get kicked out of school, things like that. But they're not, these aren't people who are trying to make a break for it on a, like, none of them are baseball pitchers, I guess. They didn't have no. any energy. No short steps? <laughs> no, get well, out of the they country. love Cuba. They want to stay in Cuba. They want yeah, Cuba. Yeah, they're trying to free. turn their government into something. I mean, if I, was the, if I hear a bunch of Americans are delivering Band-Aids and toys, I know, I'm like, I would assume there's some sort of contraband in there that's, like, <laughs> I mean, there's two, guys, some. two white guys in beards and, like, Hawaiian <laughs> shirts. It's like, that it basically said, we could have had, like, a bumper sticker on our head that said CIA. That's <laughs> yeah, what exactly. it looks like. <laughs> it's, like, obvious. We got to get your next play in Cuba. <laughs> yeah, well, sure, I'd love yeah. to. I met, a, I met a lot of nice friends down you there like, whose names I won't shout out. Yes. Because, of course, they're, you know, the Cuban government will be listening. They're right. coming for us now. Those <laughs> pods out. Hey, come for us, Castro. <laughs> no, no don't we'll, say that. Come on, we're going to start hearing that what weird sound and start vomiting. Like, you know, we've, yeah. Yeah. You've, already, you've already survived his horse meat and lived to tell about it. That's us. true. I've been to Cuba. I went in I like 2002. Yeah. He went semester to Cuba. Yeah, and Castro had us to this, like, summer house or something. <laughs> Castro did. Yeah, he wow. didn't. He spoke to us. 500 college students. He spoke to us for like five hours. And then he said, uh, like, now we're going to go party at my summer house. But then we got there. He ghosted us. He didn't show up. But uh, it was this huge, lame. It was this huge <laughs> Cuban band. What do you call it? Whatever. Yeah. Salsa. And that salsa. I don't know. No, they're, they have, uh, they're probably rumba or yeah, mamba what, or whatever. Yeah. There's a band, a whole buffet, and he served horse meat, and then everyone puked up the horse Can't meat. Can't tell him it was horse meat, though. It was a big joke he played on the Americans. <laughs> I like horse meat. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> Although well, I will say this. You've the had Q- horse meat, really? Yeah, in France, oh. Cheval, yeah, it's oh. good. Sure. With the prostitutes. <laughs> With the prostitutes. <laughs> With Lipton. James Lipton told you this is the best place to get a horse. No, nah, <laughs> a horse is tasty. It's like uh, venison. Uh, it's, it's, I but the food in general in, in Cuba is not great. Yes, uh, Agreed. One thing I will. Really? One thing I thought I Michael s- Morris told me it was really good in some <laughs> movies. It's a little bland. <laughs> Do you know what? You know what Michael Moore's favorite food is? What's that? More. Yeah. That's, <laughs> the. the, the the thing is, is that uh, Cuban food in New York is, I've noticed, is so much better. Yeah, and Miami, it's good. The Miami, it's great. Cuban yeah, food. it was good. Yeah, yeah, still a little bland, but yeah, good. Well, we probably have better spices. Better horse, better quality horse well, up Cuba here. Cuba already is not like spicy because it's yeah. uh, Criollo food, so it's 
the the you know off the East Coast stuff. So it's not you get it's more like uh, Puerto Rican and uh, yeah. stuff like that. So, but Plantains. So what's your what's so what's the new play? The new play is called The Red Wool. It's based in uh, the Third Empire, the Third Assyrian Empire, which is in Nineveh, not very far from Aleppo, actually. Uh, but it is it is about one of the so-called illiterate kings from uh, Assyria. And you may notice that it's a little similar to Donald Trump. You wow. might. It's my first sort of political satire. So that'll be yeah. You're, that'll please the the yes. progressive crowd. Exactly. Feed him uh, something. Although it's not entirely it's not entirely mean to him, but it's about um, and there's a lot of sex and violence in it. Uh, so it Just takes the Donald Trump character get to have sex with because he will tweet it out in support of it. If oh you, yeah, there's a if you give, him, true. If you give him one positive. Just show him that. Yeah, I, I can't say that, but I, I but I, I well, maybe, yes. <laughs> I, I put this on Twitter the other day, but I really feel like Trump's going to be like our first president to be in a porn while he's president. He was, w- wasn't he? Wasn't he, like, didn't was he appear he? in a porn? He was, I think, a long time ago. Oh, my really? gosh. Well, that's really? the whole thing with him, like, um, paying off porn stars. I almost yeah. don't believe it, because I feel like Trump would, like... If he banged a porn star, would brag about it. He'd be proud. Yeah. You know, like, and I don't... I almost it's, feel a, like it's part of his brand. Is cheap hush money? That's almost like a tip for him. Yeah, she did, I agree. Well, she did a bad so job, whoever her. Yeah. But so, uh, anyways, so the play. It's, it's called the Red Wool. It's at Dixon Place, uh, Thursday, January eighteenth at seven thirty p.m. And you can get it on OvationTix.com. Nice. Or you can look for the Red Wool at Dixon Place and Google that. That's here yeah. in New York. I might. That I might. I might York. be in the house. Excellent. Might get a sitter. Cap. You, <laughs> you can meet Kaplan. Yes. Yeah. Come meet Kaplan. I will be in Hong Kong by then. But but you got to go. Yeah. And if it, is it gonna so we one night and then um, then it will be other places and uh, we'll soon uh, it stars um, uh, Catherine Misley, uh, who's in The Elephant Man on Broadway, uh, Greg Cotis, cool. who co-wrote You're in Town, uh, Stephen Dexter, who was one of the stars of Billions. All right, uh, wow, this and, is great. Yeah, it's a great. It's, we have a we have a terrific cast, uh, and it stars Paul Bukok. Who you may know as uh, from the Venture Brothers as the eunuch, who's who's quite good. Do his friends call him Bukaki? Rewrite, rewrite, rewrite. We still got time. I, I didn't say that. Paul. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's 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 a terrific cast. So we're uh, um, I'm looking for I'm I'm looking forward to this reading. So it's a it's a new play. No one's it's been had it had one reading before. Uh, had some lovely new changes, and uh, it's absolutely filthy. So don't bring your kids. Amazing. Oh, I won't bring the kids. <laughs> <laughs> All, right, All right, let's uh, let's, let's get, get to the news. Yeah, let's do the news. All right. Jeremy's still in the house. First Let's news do. story of the week. America. This comes to us from Liberty Viral, Kaplan. Ooh. American Airlines. Really American Airlines withholds children from father over clerical oh, error. <laughs> what is this? Oh, geez. This is. Is this about me? It, I think it is. <laughs> American Airlines needs Breaking to get it news. together. A father shouldn't have to fight to pick his kids up from the airport. Kids should not have to put be put through this. Uh, my, what my, happens? Okay, my brother uh, was uh, my kids had gone to visit my brother, their their uncle in Indianapolis, and <laughs> you know they put they they have that 
that system where they'll put a you know a little tag around them, send the kids back to you, or you know if they you, fly, so them, you if they fly, fly themselves. Them. Yeah, it's unaccompanied minors. Oh yeah, I used right. to do that. In the old days, we still were little. Yeah, you know. yeah, and so my you know, and then my kids get sent back to me, and my brother puts down my you know my name and my wife's name, but be, but I guess because they don't they can't put enough it it can't hold enough characters because. The system is still in COBOL or something. Okay. They decide to just put the mother's name down because dads can't. Dads are useless, as we all know from every sitcom. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. So according to Jim <laughs> syndrome, I call it. According, exactly. <laughs> is that a Tim Allen show? <laughs> Whoa, whoops. <laughs> so I come and pick up the kids. You know, an hour early. And they say, "Oh, well, we don't, we don't have you picking up any kids. Who are you? <laughs> and you're some kind of kidnapper. Right, and you've got a, a beard and, <laughs> and right. And I'm waiting for my kids. And I'm like, look, they're on the plane now. Can I have them, please? Just bring them out and right. show them to me. Let and them point out whoever in this. Right. There's right. a lineup. Get five other guys that have a standard lineup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and of course the person who's you know, you know the person who's dealing with me is just barely above minimum wage and doesn't have." You know, can't be expected right. to make any kind of decision. Right, they have a manager, right? They got to go to the. They got to. The manager's nowhere to be found, and and the manager goes, "Well, this is above my pay grade." And I'm like, "It's not above mine." I. But was your dead. wife? You couldn't. Could you call? Could they call your wife? Or you? She no, was. I'm basically the primary caregiver. You know, so. Right, but I mean, like, were they saying like we have to get her on the phone? She's... Why is that? But I gave them my wife's number. Right. I yeah. could have given them, you know. Right, right, right. You know, you know my my co-core's number and said, <laughs> right. "Oh yeah, yeah. whatever." Oh, in right. Paris, That's true. You give any woman's number, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. A woman's voice. James Lipton's <laughs> co-core in Paris. Systems go. This right. Has a few that, holes yeah. In it. That is true. The putting the people on the phone thing in general so is never. They just wouldn't give you your kids. They wouldn't give me my kids for like an hour, and then fine. Of course, I'm like, look. So I'm your kids call get off the of cops. Right. At this point. And like I show them my, they have the same last name as me, which is not a common name. Karakin, K A R E K E N. It's not, and the my, you know, my wife's name has a different name from me. Sure. But they just assume I'm, you know, according right. to Jim Belushi, <laughs> I'm gonna throw my kids in the street or something. I mean, I would look at it. Yeah, if I, I would be like, you know, I haven't seen the kids in a while. I get another hour. I'll go to the bar, I guess. The airport <laughs> That's what you would be expected. Hit <laughs> the airport bar. Yeah, I'm playing I feel the like, character. Am I calling the cops? Is really an old school move. I feel like most people just tweet that now. They like tweet at the airline until they get their kids back. Yeah. But well, if you want to have, that's what I did. Basically, you did do that. Yeah, yeah, you got yeah. it. Yeah, because if you want to have equality, I mean, it's got to work both. Like, um, if, well, yeah, if a mom shows up because they're expecting women, right. this is also a face of sexism because they expect women to be the caregivers. Right. Yes, when which, I should be expected as right, much which to be is a and it is a thing that like women do. Like, I know that like when I'll be with both kids, like, uh, it's like like if Rand, like when Randy goes away, everyone will give me like, oh my god, are, are you okay? I can't believe you made it here. You're surviving, uh, but they wouldn't say that to her if I was away. True, and like. You know, well, like, and I'll be outside. Socks are unmatched. Yeah. That's the, you know, they eat, they're fine. Yeah. But, but I'll be out in public with both kids, and like a random woman will be like, like if the kids aren't listening or whatever, they'll be like, now you know how mom feels. As if like, I'm what? Like, I like, they just assume like every dad is like a deadbeat. He's all, we're not around all day, doesn't know what's going well, on. You, you know, like when my kids were, you know, babies, and I went to take them to like a Manhattan park or a Queens park, like a lot of mothers would look at me like, what is that guy doing here? <laughs> yeah. He must be some kind of creep. And I'm like, no, I'm a responsible dad. These are my children. These are my children. I mean, I get those looks too at the playground, but that's because like they see on my phone, I'm like placing like teaser bets in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> You're coming so, up to your kids and saying, "Are you being kidnapped?" No. <laughs> so how did Liberty Viral pick up the story? Oh, I started complaining about it online, of course, like everybody does today. <laughs> and they probably follow Jeremy because he's okay, a big, yeah. he's a big wig in the. 
<laughs> if they could find one. him in Cuba, they could find him on a... By the way, we've been saving this story for like six months. Yeah. We first decided, we're like, we got to get Jeremy on, and then it's taking this long to do it. Right, well, oh, it was, I'm, still, I'm still pissed off at that American <laughs> Airlines. Fuck. And they gave me like a $150... Oh, voucher? Voucher. That's all you got? I love the voucher. For holding my kids for an hour, like... Again, women they would give a better voucher to because women would get would. would get more irate if they. Well, they would never... <laughs> no, actually, my wife was calmer than I was. She's like, "You have to stop threatening to call the police." Like, what else am I supposed to do to kidnappers? Yeah, you got to call the police. Yeah. Next story from from the New York Post. All right. Okay, one. A source tells Page Six. <laughs> a source tells Page Six that NBC employees have been ordered to report any inappropriate relationships in the workplace. And if they fail to do so, they could be fired for covering up for colleagues. What is this, the Stasi? <laughs> Sounds like a country I used to live in. Yeah. yeah. A source says romantic relationships at work are not exactly unusual, but now NBC is taking taking a zero, tolerate, to, zero tolerance approach. Staffers have been told that if they find out about any affairs, romances, inappropriate relationships behavior in the office, they have to report it to human resources. Plus, this person says there's been a series of ridiculous rules issued on... Other office conduct. One rule relates to hugging. If you wish to <laughs> hug a colleague, you have to do a quick hug and then an immediate release. I always do a shoulder first hug, so I can't be accused of like going in to get the the nipple to nipple thing. Yeah, you, know? you got to stay. I'm. A, this is all great news. <laughs> what? Because I never know. I never can tell with the with the like body language if you're because some people well, you, you do a hug, do a some kiss, people a do the double kiss. kiss, some people do the single kiss, some people like just want to shake your hand. Right. I never know. So now exactly. I can use this. I'm not. I'm not hugging anybody. Handshake. Women. No. I'll get, I'm not even gonna give a handshake because I don't know. You could hold their hand too long. That could be creepy. Oh, so just the nothing. I'm doing nothing. You know what? You know what? In China, they do the nothing. They do the nothing. And it feels huh. a little. It feels unusual at first, but then you're like, yeah. hot. You, you get used to it. I've started know. doing that. I feel when I have a. Uh, I, I don't even have a cold, and I'll say, I think I'm getting a little something. I'll give you the, you know, the Ebola handshake with the elbows. Yeah. Oh yeah. That. But I'm not even. I just Some people do the fist pump. The other thing they don't do in China, they don't do the God bless you. And I don't yeah. think it's a. I don't think it's a PC thing. They, they just, get to say God. So yeah, yeah. yeah. They say but, you are so good looking. But I feel like yeah, exactly. <laughs> Someone sneezes, you go. Fuck but off. I would be happy to get rid of the God bless you and the any type of. I mean, look. When I me I remember being in college, like freshman year, and you'd run into like girls you just were like friends with, and they give you like the kiss on the cheek. This was a great new discovery. This is, yeah. So oh, it is I sexual. Is what I'm saying. That never happened until college. Yeah. No high school oh, girl no, ever did no, kiss no. on the cheek. And yeah. I think what happens all because they're trying to be sophisticated. In yeah, college. they want to seem they like they're a French. Or, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a media company saying that people in the company can't have relationships. They right. can't date. They did you see? You're a stand-up comedian. Why in God's name did you get into this business? To get Except laid! Exactly! <laughs> My wife see? came to a show. There was now a we're married. There no, you can't do that anymore. Bada bing, bada uh, boom, bada bang. Me too, hashtag. Uh, <laughs> <there> was, <laughs> you hashtagging for my yeah, wife? Yeah, I'm hashtagging for my wife. Although, I, I, I didn't. My, I met my wife in high school, so that, that's entirely... Were you, a, you weren't a teacher there, High school right? play? No, I wasn't okay. a teacher. I wasn't, no, I wasn't a teacher. <laughs> Wait, she sure. was a junior, I was a senior. I'll meet too, hashtag for your wife. I'll meet too, you're a senior. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God, we're... Jesus. I just thinking of all the things I might have done when I was dating her. Kaplan met his wife at my brother's bachelor party. Speaking of me too's, <laughs> you guys are out on the town. Wait a minute, hold it, hold it. What did she do before? That <laughs> yeah. I know she wasn't. It was a it was an international Jewish night at the at the nightclub. Oh, okay. <laughs> wasn't at the strip club. <laughs> wasn't at strip. Club. And you know we took his brother to. Well, I but, like the idea of an international Jewish night at a strip club, though. That'd be fun. Great idea for the, all our strip club promoters out there. <laughs> yeah. listening so the last thing that comes off is your shadle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, I think this article also said. Oh, there's one more line. Should I read the yeah, last yeah. line? What's the last one? Also, there's another rule. There's strict rules about socializing, including not sharing taxis home and not taking vegans to steakhouses. Wait, this is, not wait. taking vegans to steakhouses? That's considered sexual assault? I guess so. I don't even because oh, because maybe I don't know maybe meat is like a natural aphrodisiac. <laughs> <laughs> the taxi home I can understand because the taxi. Oh, wait, home, vegans are not a religion. Is. It's not like right. I, exactly, vegan is not like you. What? Like, can I take a can I take a a Muslim to a pork restaurant too, or can I not take a not if you were going to be well, probably. You but. know my ra- but ran, my wife my wife works for an Indian because vegans and are, it's a vegan company. So squeaky like all, wheel gets the grease. They're the most annoying. Is so they, it? they, they get what they want. The yeah. I mean, I think they should ban you from taking people to restaurants with alcohol if they're like, this is. I, I don't, right, if you're in recovery. Uh, then but the you're taxi like, cab thing, I mean, well, so now everyone's got to take a taxi cab by themselves. Take an Uber. It makes sense if, because you're ba- it's basically like this couch thing in the back. Right. And you probably had a few drinks after the Christmas party. No, this is your move. I don't know. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm thinking like that makes a lot of sense and you kind of rustle up. That makes the most sense. Right, taxi- but what if she's so drunk from the Christmas party that she's not? Going to get home. She and has to you drive. As a coworker. She should drive. She has to drive. But you as a coworker, like I'm going to help make sure. What she would you get rather? <laughs> I'm going to get her on her motorcycle and make sure she gets home. Nine, as eight. long as you don't take her to a steakhouse. Yeah. As <laughs> long as you don't don't take. All right. So these are the rules: no hugs and no steak. Exactly. <laughs> no steak for vegans. Exactly. <laughs> All right. That is the podcast. Oh, this is great. That was it. <laughs> Jeremy, right. thanks. For, should we do one more news story? Do another news story. Let's see what All right. Doing. We'll do one last news story. Always at it. This is from allthatisinteresting.com. All right, I don't know what their their slant is. <laughs> Silicon Valley trendsetters paying $25 per gallon for raw live water are probably poisoning themselves. Raw <laughs> this raw raw water thing is one of the First of all, it's impossible to say. Raw water? It is impossible to say. What I never heard about it water? until Kaplan sent me the story yesterday. Unfiltered water. Well, uh, isn't it all water? Like if you go to a like a river and just start drinking yeah, it. But if you boil it in order to kill, like, say, a, a pathogen, right. it's not raw anymore. If you filter it, it's not raw anymore. Because you're, I, this is the dumbest thing in the world. I like, why so, would you do that to yourself? Well, I grew up with a well. So yeah. not like an old school well that you have to go pull, you know, like like get a bucket and pull it out yeah, of. A lot of people. But our house runs on a well. Yeah. Like we had some uh, Indian guy. Uh, and my parents Native always American say Indian, or... so I don't know if it's Native American or <laughs> a guy from India. Right. I still your people, day, Pocahontas. I still just they don't know. It could have been either. People don't say daughter feather. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right, right. So an Indian guy came when I was apparently when they were building my parents' house and went around the property with like a, a stick. And oh, then, a divining stick. Yeah, and then the stick bent, and then he's like, okay, you got to dig your well right here. There's water under there. It worked. No, we've it had, doesn't. We've had free water my entire life. It does not work. They, they, you have the, a well? Really? In your house? The divining, yeah. the divining Tyler and I grew rod. up on a well. That's why I thought you sent me this story. <laughs> First was... of all, you dig down deep enough anywhere, you'll get to a water table anyway. So you, you pay the people with the divining rods, and I think that's an old European thing. And For European, Old yes. Indian, Old too. sparks. They might have gotten it from the of some uh, kind. We're not right. sure which, <laughs> but they might have gotten <laughs> it. Either India or But it's it's medicine show horseshit. So why the it stick works. doesn't? Do, no, you dig down hundred feet. There's always water. Water. Oh, no matter where he would have ended up, it no would have worked. Where, he might have gone down a hill and thought, "Well, this is probably as good a place as any." Yeah. But okay, so shout out to Gary Sparks, yeah. who's my dad, also accountant of the pod. But he didn't believe it. And my mom totally believed it. She was all for it. She's like, we got to hire this guy. we got to pay him $1,000 or whatever it was. There was no magic in sticks that finds water. But then my dad says that they walked around the property, and the guy, like, told my dad, like, hold this stick. And it worked for my, like, my dad could hold it, too. Yeah, Ouija boards, people think work, too. They don't work. (laughs) Wow. It's 
Yeah, no. So, the so whole don't you think that the CrossFit type people can get really into raw raw water? Raw water. Wait, I mean, what does raw water mean? Does this mean what I grew up on? Just a well? I don't know. Was there any filtration? I mean, it could I don't have think been. so. No, I think no it was... fluoride. I don't think I grew up with fluoride because oh that's, uh, that's isn't the that... communist plot they used to say. That's supposed I, to kill I had you. A teacher tell me that fluoride. as a kid. It's a communist plot. <laughs> Fluoride's a communist. plot? Yeah, she told us that. Second grade. Mrs. Knapp, shout out. Your teacher taught you that. A teacher of ours. Yeah, that's ridiculous. But guess who didn't have fluoride in their water? The communist. Communist. Yeah, that's the communist. I know. I remember once I was in Wyoming and we were on. There was like this like water, natural water, and we were just drinking it. It was the greatest. It was so amazing. It tastes delicious. And then some guy came by and he's like, "Y'all gonna die." And he's well, like, you got to take these pills. And was, but is that raw read? water? I mean, yeah, that could be raw water, but spring water is usually fine. And yeah. most water is usually fine. Well, shout out to that guy. You were wrong. We didn't die. Can I read this? what he says? Yeah. So Bill Mahler is, the, uh, is a lawyer and food safety advocate. All right. Like, so what, I don't know what, what he knows. Mean? He means uh, he's a lawyer. He says <laughs> unfiltered, untreated water, even from the cleanest streams, can contain animal feces, spread gy- mm. gyardia. <laughs> Girardia? Girardia. Yeah. <laughs> Which has symptoms such as vomiting and diarrhea as a re- result, and results of roughly 4,600 hospitalizations a year. Hepatitis A, blah, 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 blah. E. coli, cholera, they can all be transmitted. Whatever. Yeah. I'm still alive. Well, but I, what I, don't th- I don't think you had – well water is probably pretty clean, and they test it. Yeah, and but, it still maybe goes through a filter that I just never knew about. Yeah, and plus, if you, chances are the f- the water that anybody drinks is, will have had some feces at some point. Yeah, that's true. We live all in right, well, all right. So the the lesson today is don't drink water, people. Don't, don't drink, drink water. water. It's overrated. Stick to scotch. Stick yeah. to scotch. It's it's always raw. But if you do want to, you can get it for twenty five dollars a gallon at Bonnaroo. Oh my god, <laughs> that's, where they, that's where these hippies are selling. Oh my god, I'll so. send you clean water for thirty. Yeah, we should start. Ends should start its own water next day. Ends is water. water for forty dollars <laughs> a cup. All right, all right, Jeremy. Thanks for doing it. Glad to be here. Go Thank see you. the play on Thursday night, Thursday, yes. January eighteenth at seven thirty at, at where Dixon again? Place. Dixon Place. Dixon Place, New York. Check it out. Thanks, right. Cap. What should we do? Get lost. Check out the reflections in my eyes See, they always used to be there Even when this all was grass And I sang and danced up on a high rise And you were laughing at my helmet hat Laughing at my torch
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.